I thought I would have <coughs> a little chat with you first before we look at God's Word. When you get a person like me coming here, <coughs> how do you think that I prepare and other people pre- prepare so that when we come, that we hope that we're speaking into your situation? You're going to be hearing this evening about God, the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways that I prepare is I go into my little bedroom and I wait on God, the Holy Spirit, to speak. You see, I trust Him. I trust Him because He wants the best for me and for you. He doesn't want me or any of the other people that come and speak just to speak into a vacuum. He doesn't want me or any other person that's speaking here to entertain you. We're not here to entertain you. But what he wants is for people like myself to be in tune with him so that we can open God's word and make it relevant, first of all, for me. Because if it doesn't speak to me, it's certainly not going to speak to you. But if it speaks to me and led by God the Holy Spirit, then it's a word, as the scripture says, in season. Do you believe that? So in a sense, now you're going to have to trust me, that I have come prepared to speak into your situation. And if you're willing to trust me, then it means that you're going to have to open up your life to what God the Holy Spirit wants to say to you this morning. And believe me, because I believe it, He wants to speak to each and every one. There's a word here, I believe, for us all. But there's only one way that we'll come to know that word is if we listen. So what we're going to do now is just have a time just of quiet, just for a few moments. And I would challenge you to open your heart and your mind now (coughs) to what God the Holy Spirit has to say so that you'll go from here (coughs) and you'll feel fed. You'll go from here (coughs) and you'll feel ready and prepared for whatever lies ahead in this week. Because that's God's promise to you. You can go away here empty. But I would say it's your own fault. But you can go away from here having been spoken to by God himself. And I'm saying that so that it takes all the anxiety from me. I am just a channel here. It's up to you to listen. So let's just be quiet and open our hearts and minds to God now. Gracious God and Father, we want to thank you that you're here. Lord, we have your word on that. You have said where two or three are gathered in your name, that you will be there in the midst. And we come as your people gathered in your name, and we thank you that you're here. We thank you, Lord, that you've promised to speak to your people. And we ask, Lord, that as your word is open as we hear it preached, that, Lord, you might speak into each of our hearts. Lord, we acknowledge that we are a needy people, 
We acknowledge, Lord, that we need to be fed, we need to be prepared, we need to be strong for the life that you've given us and the places that you have placed us to serve you. And so, Lord, we just ask again this morning that we might meet with you in a way, Lord, that would be good and in a way that would be glorifying to you. We pray that God the Holy Spirit would come and open our ears and our hearts now, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. During my quiet times, I've been looking at the book of Hebrews. And you come across that great chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11, where it talks about the heroes of faith. And I was thinking, maybe I should speak about one of my heroes this morning. And so that's what I did. I went and prayed about it. My grandson has a hero. And his name is Ben Ten. I don't know if you've ever heard of Ben Ten. <coughs> He's in the comic books and everything. But Ben Ten is just an ordinary little boy who lives his, <coughs> lives his life. And then when difficulties or trials come, he has this watch. And he turns his watch... And when he turns his watch, he's transformed into a hero. A hero that can face the situation of the day. A hero that can solve the problem. And when it all happens, he returns to the little boy that he is. And I was thinking, boy, I wish I had a watch like Ben 10. Because when problems come to me, I don't have the watch. I, I turn it into a superhero. But I do have the scripture. And that's far more important than a watch. I do have the scripture that leads and guides me in all situations. The scripture leads and guides us all in situations. <clears throat> and so one of the heroes that I want to look at is mentioned in Hebrews 11. He's described as a man after God's own heart. You all know that I'm talking about is David. I want to look at David and see what we might learn from David in a particular situation that might help us as we go out and live our life. This, I believe, is what God has laid on my heart for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll read the first 16 verses together. Now it is a very well-known passage. We probably know it by heart, and that can sometimes be a problem. So let's assume, or try to assume, that we don't know it by heart, and so we need to listen to what God's Word is saying to us. <clears throat> Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Epi Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So we have a picture here of what the situation was. On one hill we had Israel, on the other 
here we have the Philistines and there's this battle, this valley in the middle. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scaled armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his leg he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So we have this amazing description of Goliath. <coughs> Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if, you over <coughs> but if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. <clears throat> now David, the son of an named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abedibab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. God has given us <coughs> imaginations. He has given us minds so that we can begin to picture what is happening here. So I want you to imagine the scene that we've just read about. I want you to imagine you see a slender young man and he's kneeling by a brook. Mud wets his knees, water cools his hands as he's in the stream. And if you take time, and if you know that the scene you, and the scripture, you know that this young man's features, we are told, was handsome. He had a face that would take the breath away from many a young Hebrew maiden. And this young man, as he knelt down, by this stream, was searching among the rocks on the riverbed. He's feeling them. He wants smooth stones, stones that would stack neatly in his shepherd's pouch. Flat stones, because he wanted them to act as missile that would fly cleanly through the air. Stones that he knew from the past because he had used them to chase off lions and bears. And in this case, he wanted to use them 
to chase a giant. The story tells us what the giant's name was, Goliath. He was a giant of a man. He was a warrior. We are told that he stood nine foot, nine inches in his stocking soles. So he was a guy that was not going to be missed. And every day, and this is a point, every day he stood and he shouted abuse at King Saul's army. And every day he issued this challenge. This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight together. And if it had happened, it would have been a fight to the death. But no Hebrew volunteered. Day and night, day and night, this giant was there giving this challenge. It was very wearing, it was very demoralizing. I want you to try and get the picture. And no one was volunteering until David. David was there, as we are told, to deliver cheese and bread to his brothers on the battlefront. And again, I want you to try and picture in your mind that after David meets his brothers, after David meets Saul, he puts on armor, he takes armor off. All he takes when he goes to meet his giant is a staff, is five smooth stones and his sling. That's all he takes. And he walks towards the giant. And the giant can't believe it. And if you read the story, the giant actually gives him a nickname. He calls David Twiggy. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? A twig, he calls him. What chance did David have against this hardened protected great giant of a man in the world's eyes David had no chance at all so let me ask you a question your giant my giant your Goliath my Goliath he doesn't come to us as we read in the scripture here, like a man having a big sword and a huge shield. But our giants come to us, and we know them. Each of us here have situations that seem to be so big that they just cover everything before us. And each day, like Goliath, they come and challenge our very Christian existence. Of who we are in God. As I say, our giants usually don't parade up and down on the hill or in the garden in front of us. But they're there. And that's the thing that we first need to notice. We all have our giants. We all have our situations that seem to be enormous and seem to be insurmountable. They could be in the office. They could be in the house. They could even be here in this fellowship. Our giants come in many different guises, but they're there still the same. 
and we need to recognize them. They could be the bullies that we can't face. And sometimes we think that bullies are only for children in the playground. Please don't make that mistake. There's bullies in the workplace, there's bullies in the home, bullies that we can't face. The giant, the people that we can't please, no matter what we do, we just can't please them. But that drink, the drink that we just have to have, it's just there. Or the pornography that nobody else knows about. But it's there. Or there's the career that we can't escape from. Or the past that we can't shake. Or the future that we dread. They're all there. And sometimes they can become giants. We all have giants and Goliaths in our life that we need to face up to. (coughs) David's giant had a foghorn of a voice, we are told. He challenged day and night. Listen to what the scripture said. Forty days, twice a day, morning and evening, the Philistine giant strutted in front of the Israel army. <clears throat> and our giants can do the same. Have you ever woken up in the morning and you think, oh good. And then your stomach just <clears throat> turns. Our giants are there. And the problem with having giants is this, that if we don't do something about them, if we don't challenge them, then they will suck our Christian life dry. They will take over and take all the joy that God has promised us for those who are sons and daughters. They'll suck us dry. They'll take over until we become ineffectual. You know, Goliath's family was an ancient foe of Israel. If you look back in the life of Israel, Joshua was chosen by God to go in and clear the promised land, and to a great extent he fulfilled that. But if you read the scripture, <clears throat> there were three cities that were left. There was Gaza, there was Gath, and there was Ashdod. And it seemed that Gath bred giants, just like Scotland breeds sheep. This city bred giants. And guess where Goliath came from? None other than Gath. And as I tried to put myself in this situation, you could almost hear Saul's soldiers talking to each other when Goliath stood before them. Hey, they would say, my dad knew his dad, you know. Hey, my granddad fought against his granddad. They were there in their history, in their past. And in my pastoral ministry, how many times have I heard someone saying, I am just like my dad. He's an alcoholic. So am I. The giant is there and I'm just going to accept it. You know what? My mother was divorced. I think I'll be divorced. It's just part of life. There are giants out there that we need to face. And I want you to think this moment, just for a moment, what your giant might be at this time in your life. What situation are you facing that just seems impossible? What is it that's causing you anxiety and care? 
that you look at it and you think, I cannot see any way around it. What am I going to do? How am I going to live this life that God wants me to live? Well, let's look at the scripture and see some of the lessons that we can learn from David that might help us overcome these situations that we find ourselves in that sometimes seem impossible so that we can face up and defeat these stalkers of our life that come and want to to, uh, take everything that God has given to us. And I want us to see what Scripture says. Because sometimes when we read Scripture, we miss the obvious. And that's why I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, led me to this passage. So that we can see the obvious, because the obvious is sometimes the simplest. And yet we miss it. And the first obvious lesson that we learn from David is this. Are you listening? Because it's great. He brings God into the situation. He makes God part of the equation. Listen to his first words. Who is this man who defies the army of what? Saul? No. Defies the army of Israel? No. Who defies the army of the living God? And when he, brought, when he was brought before King Saul, he does the same. What does he say? The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear. The Lord will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. And notice again, when he does face his giant, when he does face Goliath, whose name does he mention? None other than the Lord himself. And yet sometimes that very simple thought, that very simple action is actually the last thing that we do. And I can only speak for myself. Sometimes it's the last thing I do in bringing God into the equation. David brings him in first. No one else discusses God. David discusses no one else but God. If you read the story, then there's a little subplot here. Because after David enters, the whole focus changes. It becomes God focus versus giant focus. Read it. You'll notice that. It's quite subtle, but it's there. God focus versus giant. Now we're getting somewhere when we come to our problem. David, I believe led by the Holy Spirit, saw what others refused to see and what others refused to do. And that's the first lesson I want to suggest to you when you face your giant. When you face that problem that you feel is insurmountable. Don't focus on it. Focus on who your God is. Don't focus on it. It will take up everything. But focus on who your God is. Go back to that day when you came from darkness into light. Go back to that day when God changed your life. Focus on God. And this is not my words. This is scripture. David saw his giant. He couldn't help seeing his giant. But I suggest that he saw more. He saw God. And that was his first step to victory. What did David do? When he saw his giant, 
when he saw his problem, when it was there before him, he says this, You come to me in sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. David uses scripture. Do you remember when Jesus faced his giant in the wilderness? What did he do? Did he focus on the devil? He did not. He went back to scripture. He focused on God. And can I suggest to you that when you want to face up to your giant, get down on your knees and use David's cry. Memorize it. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin. In other words, you come to me as the world would. I'm going to come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I've got God's armies, not army, army on my side. Jesus used scripture. And I suggest that it's good if we just <coughs> memorized that one challenge that David gave. David recognized who God was. He talked about God's armies. Other people just saw the Israelite army, the Philistine army. <coughs> David saw God's armies. He realized who his allies were. Where? He looked back into his history and he remembered the platoons of angels that God had used in the past. The infantries of saints that was on his sides. Weapons that were at God's disposal that he could use to help David. I wonder if David thought, "Mm, maybe God will pelt my enemy with hail. Because he did that for Moses, didn't he? Or maybe God will, you know, cause the the wall to to fall. He did that for Joshua, don't he? And my mentor, there's old Samuel. Hey, he sent thunder and lightning to help. I wonder what God will do. He began to focus on God and realize who his God was. And when he does that, here's the amazing thing. He doesn't just walk towards Goliath. Read the scriptures, these are not my words. He runs towards Goliath. He's ready to face his enemy. Now here's the snare that we have to be careful of. And again, we're using our imagination here. I wonder what David's brothers were thinking about at that moment. We get a rough idea of what they were thinking about uh, as towards their attitude towards it. I could only imagine they're thinking, oh, not... The youngest one. They were embarrassed by him from the start. But they were also fearful for him. Because he he was their younger brother. And if David had looked at them instead of God, where would he have been? If he had looked at his king, King Saul, and convinced King Saul, so I've made a big mistake here in letting this young man do this. But David didn't look at King Saul. And if he had looked at his enemy, well, what was his enemy doing? His enemy was laughing at him. Goliath was having a good giggle, but he didn't. David concentrated on who his God was, and he fired the sling. And you know the story, you know it well. The stone finds its mark. Goliath's eyes cross, his legs buckle, and he falls to the ground and he's dead. You might say that David knew how to get ahead of his giant that day, and he did. So let's go back to the giant that's in your life. Let's ask personal questions as I did. How long is it since I actually faced up to my giant? How long is it since I faced up to my giant? 
because I can only speak personally when it comes here I don't like to face up to my giant I have this hope that if I close my eyes that my giant will all of a sudden vanish just go into thin air and there's a lesson that we need to learn and learn well here that we need to face up to our giants but we need to do so in a way that will get the victory and you hear this evening about God the Holy Spirit why was he sent what's one of his names his name is helper he'll help you in these situations face up to your giant maybe it's alcohol maybe it's insecurity maybe it's fear whatever it is you need to face up to it but in the strength that God gives. What does the scripture say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not you that's doing it. It's Christ in you. Now one of the problems I had with my hero David is this. Like all heroes, I thought, I can never be like him. He was a man who was called a man after God's own heart. He's so different from me. Here was God who gave this man a title. A title that he didn't give his friend Abraham. A title that he didn't give his servant Moses. A title that he didn't give Paul or any of the apostles. He's different from me. But read David's story from beginning to end. And you can see that he's just like you and I. To the extent that I began to wonder what did God see? in this man there he was one minute he's staring down Goliath and the next minute he's ogling Beersheba he wants her there he was that day he defied God's mockers if you read two chapters further on he joins them the very people that he defeated he joins them in the wilderness he's a true boy scout one day and, a, and he seems to be pally with the mafia the next Here was a man who could inspire and lead armies, but he couldn't lead and inspire his own family. He was a failure. We see him weeping. We see him having fits of anger. You know, he had eight wives, but here's a saving grace with David. All through his life, he only had one God, a God that proves sufficient. God saw David and he met him at his point of his need. Do you believe that God sees you right now, wherever you are, and whatever giant you're facing? David had great moments, and in these moments no one could be better. But he also had terrible moments when no one could be worth. David is a beacon of light to us. A beacon of light that helps us in that giant that we face. You know, one of the biggest giants that people face is that of rejection and failure they never seem to be able to get around it it's a very terrible burden on them I'm rejected I'm a failure you know the other thing is revenge I want to get back I want to get back there's giants out there and they're seeking to bring us down we all face them in our Christian life you can't go round them you can't dig under them you can't fly over them The only way to defeat a giant is to face up to that giant. Scary as it might be, 
But remember this, when you face up to your giant, you are not facing them alone. You have God, the Holy Spirit within you. You have God's promises around you. Focus first on God. David did. And his giants fell. I just thought that since I was giving you all these facts, I had to make sure that they were true. Did David actually focus on God more than he did on his giant? So if you read the the chapter that we've just read, you'll see in that chapter that David mentions Goliath twice. Once when he's speaking to him about King Saul, and the other time when he speaks to Goliath himself. David also mentions God, and I counted nine times. And I'm sure that there's more. Nine times when he mentions God. Nine to two, that's good odds. I know where David's focus was when I read that. But when I look at myself, it's mostly the other way around. I look at God a couple of times. And then I let all the pressures come in. Some people say in this story, there is no sense of a miracle. There's no Red Sea opening, there's no flaming chariots, there's no falling walls, there's no balls of fire from heaven. There is no miracle. But as you read it, you realize that there is. And the miracle is David himself. God sees you this morning as he sees David. You and you and me, we can be the miracle when it comes to facing our giant. The God that we believe in and the God who believes in us stands ready to make us the miracle so that other people will look on and say, there is God at work because there's the miracle. And so I leave you with the challenge that I found in the book of Hebrews. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Do you have a giant to face? Let me give you some practical advice before I stop. Find someone that you can trust and that you can pray with. Tell that person, I'm going to face my giant. I've been having doubts and fears about my future and it's just driving me crazy. Pray with me please. First step, get someone to pray for you. Second step, armour of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. Go and face your giant in whose name? In his name. And the victory is yours. And the victory is mine. We need to face up to our giants. Now I am relieved because I believe I've spoken the word that God wanted me to hear first and you to hear I need to go and face my giants now and I challenge you to do the same let's just be quiet for a minute Father we thank you for your word that's alive and it's living and we pray Lord that we might take your word into our hearts and go Lord not only to be hearers but to be doers also. Help us, Lord, in your name to go out and to be the people that you want us to be. And Lord, whatever might seek to hinder, we pray, Lord, in your name that we will face up to it and in the strength of Jesus go forward. And so, Lord, we again just thank you. 
that you are a God that we can trust and trust fully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.